I love that. That's the kind of church that we want to be, isn't it? That's what we're pursuing. So we're in the middle of this series. We're finishing up today, and, and um, I, I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, and let's go to Matthew chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, uh, just raise your hand real quick. One of our ushers would be happy to give you one. We want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. I am so glad you're here. Uh, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, we are pursuing this together. This is what we do. We want to be a church like this. And the reason this is what we do is because this is what Jesus did. You think about the kind of people that he uh, welcomed without judgment and he loved without condi condition. Just think about some of the people that he interacted with. People like fishermen and uh, tax collectors and prostitutes and Pharisees and the diseased and the outcasts and women and children and the rich and the poor. He, he just welcomed them all without judgment and he loved without condition. And so that's really what we are pursuing as a church. We want to be a church like that. And we can't be his church without being like him. And that means we're going to treat people like he treats. But you know what that means, right? Um, at some point, if we're loving people like Christ, they are going to hate us and reject us because that's what rebellious sinners do. And so in some ways, we need to not be shocked by that, not be surprised, but here's the deal. We want to make sure that we are welcoming and loving just like Jesus so that it can be abundantly clear that when they're rejecting us, they're not really rejecting us, are they? They're really rejecting Christ and His righteousness as opposed to... Uh, just being put off by our hypocritical judgment. Like people that are not like us. People that we're not comfortable with. Or cold distance. Or our conditional acceptance of just the people that are, we're comfortable with. So here's the deal. We don't want to give people unnecessary ammunition against the church. We want to be the kind of people that welcome. It doesn't matter if you're weird. We're weird too. It doesn't matter if you're, you got a messy past. You want to be here? We're glad you're here. And there's no judging going on. And once you hang around a little while, we're going to realize we're kind of like, we bump into each other a little bit, but we're going to love without condition. It doesn't matter if you make it difficult Quite frankly, you'll never deserve it. There's no condition. We're going to love. But what do we do about the people who hurt us? How does the church handle getting cut? How do we respond? Well, take your Bibles. You're right there. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to be in verse 21. I want you to follow along with me as I read just a couple of verses to begin with. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. He says, Then Peter came up to him, that's Jesus, and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Or your translation may say seven times 70 
So how do we respond? Write this down. You know it. Forgive. Forgive. The context here uh, of this passage, just before uh, Peter's like uh, figuring this out, what Jesus is really talking about, if you look in verse 15, you kind of get a little bit of a feel for it. Uh, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you. So we're talking about personal offenses. How do we handle it when somebody sins against me? What are we supposed to do? Go to them, and, and you're going to show them their fault. But the whole point, the whole point is we're going to win your brother over. We want to get some reconciliation and get some peace. And so Peter has kind of figured out, he's like, oh, we're talking about forgiveness. That's what we're talking about. Like I, I, he, he, he's just kind of understanding the emphasis and the right application. And we know that Peter's about to kind of get put in his place, but he's, he's not wrong about the expectation here. The expectation is you're going to forgive. This is what we do. So if we're going to uh, talk about forgiveness this morning, let's get a definition, shall we? Uh, here's, here's a definition. I'm stealing this from Tim Keller. I, I, I got this from his book, uh, The Reason for God. I think it's really a fantastic definition for forgiveness. It just means this, refusing to make them pay for what they did. That's what it means to forgive someone. I'm just going to refuse to make people pay. They hurt me. They need to pay. But I'm just, I'm just not going to make them. Easier said than done, isn't it? Well, here's what I want. I want to. I want to get. Uh, I want to act out a little scenario here. Uh, so maybe this will really help us. Hey, Mark. Uh, thanks for volunteering, buddy. Can you can you come up? I know this is like your thing. Can you come up here? Uh, you're gonna you're gonna help me out. Come on up here, man. Uh, I know you're super excited about this. Uh, you're you're gonna help demonstrate. We we've not practiced this performance. Um, he has no idea what's coming. Uh, this is totally unscripted. Uh, but how many of you? I'm so glad you're here, man. Thank you. How many of you know what this is? It's a pool noodle, right? Does anybody know why they make pool noodles? Do you know? Like, what's the purpose of a pool noodle? It's not really a great flotation device. You know that, right? My kids have come up with all sorts of like creative uses for these things. I'm sure you have, and let's just be honest. Most of them involve torturing someone else, right? That's how it works. Like you can like dunk this underwater, and then you can blow, and it's this awesome water can. You hit people in the face with it. Uh, but what is the, the number one use of all time of a pool noodle? You know? You know? Like, bro, come on, man. Like, it's okay. <laughs> Trust me, okay? What, what, what is it? How do, you, how do you properly use a pool noodle? Yeah, you hit him. Like, it's going at him. Like, this. So, um, I intentionally picked somebody that was super nice that I didn't think would, like, turn around and beat the mess out of me if I did this. But what is he supposed to do if I attack him with a pool noodle? How is he supposed to respond? See, Peter's in the right zip code here. At least he knows the expectation. He may not have gotten it all right, but he knows that it's a command, it's an expectation. He's supposed to forgive. And so it doesn't matter how Mark feels about me right now. That's the command. He's got to be willing to forgive. How many people think that he should forgive me? Nobody? Really? <laughs> man, we, we really got to deal with this to get. Can, can you forgive me, bro? Thanks, bro. I love you, man. Everybody give him a hand. Thank you for that. You did fantastic. How is he supposed to, I'm, I'm glad he did this because we're, we're going to work through like what that looks like now. How is he supposed to uh, forgive? What does that look like? Well, let's make a few observations about what forgiveness is, shall we? I want you to notice this. Um, forgiveness is 
candid. Forgiveness is candid. It means this. Um, it's an acknowledgement, an honest acknowledgement of sin. What that person did was wrong. Now, let's put this to a vote. How many of you think that my unnecessary and unprovoked assault with a pool noodle was okay? That was okay. Anybody? Anybody? How many think that that was wrong for me to do? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, that was totally wrong for me to do. I should not have done it. It was wrong. And I'm actually encouraged that Jesus, he's not telling us that we're supposed to pretend like a sinful offense wasn't a big deal. Sin is always a big deal. It can never just be swept under the rug because justice has been violated and it needs to be paid for. It needs to be dealt with. And let's just be honest, sometimes coming up to somebody after you've hit them with a pool noodle and just saying sorry doesn't really do that, does it? So forgiveness is candid. It's honest. Acknowledging that sin has happened, sin has taken place, justice has been violated, but it's also a choice. It's also a choice. What's our definition? It's uh, refusing to make them pay for what they did. So refusing is an act of the will, isn't it? First, it's acknowledging that what, uh, has, what, what happened is wrong and there is a debt that is owed. Like, bro, that was not cool that I would do something like that. That's not good. And then Mark is faced with a choice. Here's his options, ready? He can either make me pay or not make me pay. So he could try to make me pay. And the difficulty is it's not always as simple as like you stole 10 bucks from me so you just need to give me 10 bucks. Like so retribution is not always possible. And so the temptation for him is going to be to seek revenge, to get even, to make me hurt, to make me suffer. And unfortunately, in his flesh, he has a whole arsenal of weaponry available to him to get back at me and to make me hurt. He's got a lot of torture devices, and in the heat of the moment, let's just be honest, like pulling out the big guns and blowing me away would make him feel a whole lot better, wouldn't it? That's, that's what it feels like. If I could just make this person hurt like they've hurt me, I'll feel a whole lot better. So we want to make them pay. Harvest, I, I realize that's like a really silly illustration, but we are going to be tempted to make people hurt, to make them pay for what they've done to us or how they've treated us. And we have a whole arsenal. We have options. Sometimes we'll use our words. We just rip into people. We tear them down, lash out with some verbal assault that's not really directed at the problem, but at the person. Just anger, accusations, just nasty, derogatory, demeaning terms, calling them names, getting really sarcastic. Uh, it's just basically like a machine gun where we just spray as much vitriol as we can, just whittle them down with our words. Often we'll do that just to make them pay for how they've treated us. Or we'll use the public eye. I have to be careful of this one. This is where we try to humiliate the person or um, make them look bad in front of other people or slander them, damage their reputation. It's kind of sick that we get satisfaction out of that, isn't it? 
need to watch that one. Or sometimes we'll use punishment. This is the, uh, the cold, silent treatment. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm going to put them in time out. They're going to have to think about what they've done. And, and, and sometimes I will, uh, I, I'm stewing over here in my bitterness and my anger. And somehow I feel like they're going to be able to, they're going to feel my silence and I'm going to hurt them. It's almost like I've got this mental voodoo doll over here and I'm, I'm, I'm just destroying them with my, with my silence over here. And, or, um, or we withdraw and, and I um, withhold love. This often happens in our marriage relationships where one spouse decides I'm going to refuse intimacy or I'm going to refuse to do something really kind that I know would mean a lot to you. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing that because I'm punishing you. You don't deserve for me to do nice things. And so I'm, I'm trying to punish them to make them feel the pain that I feel. Or sometimes we use our fists literally stooping to physical fighting and just out of control brawling. I hate that I even have to mention that. I just pray that that's not true of us, especially in our homes. But here's, these are just some options that we try to use to make people pay. Thankfully, I picked Mark because he's a super nice guy, and I knew um, that he would not choose to retaliate and to make me pay um, and so uh, he is going to choose instead because he's part of the body of Christ this is what we do he's going to choose to not make me pay you got to know that that's not passive that's active that's an active choice on his part it's forgive forgiveness is the willingness to say I know what you did was wrong and we both know that you owe me I'm just not going to make you pay but it's a choice. So don't stop, stop saying like, I can't forgive that person. Can you just be honest with yourself that when you say, I cannot forgive them, what you're really saying is, I won't forgive them. I'm, just, I'm not going to do it. So it's really a choice. And we also notice that that choice is costly because you want to make them pay. So not getting to make them pay means that you are going to have to deal with the cost. Instead of, them, you were hurt by them, and now you're going to give up the satisfaction of retribution, which I, I love Tim Keller says is that itself is even a form of suffering. That's not easy to do, is it? It's going to feel like you're swallowing a bomb. Like, I'm going to absorb that pain. You deserve to get wiped out, but I'm, I'm not going to let that happen to you. In fact, I'm going to try to protect you from that. And that's really hard to do because sometimes it's not just a pool noodle, it's a knife. And people can really hurt us and cut us deep. But I, I, I love you and I want to forgive you. And so instead of making you feel what I think you deserve to feel, I'm going to protect you from that. I'm not going to make you pay. Because this is what we do. So Peter's got that much right. We're supposed to forgive. Um, but look what he says. He says, verse 21, he says, Lord, how often uh, will I forgive my brothers? So here's Peter thinking that he's going to impress Jesus with this because he knows that like the religious leaders of the day, they thought you needed to like forgive somebody up to like three times, which is more than we'd want to do for a lot of people. But 
So that's pretty impressive. But Peter's like, I'm going to go above me. Like, watch this. Like, is everybody looking? Like, I just want to make sure that everybody's paying attention to this. Like, Jesus, how about seven times? And everybody's like shocked, right? Come on, show me your shocked face. Everybody show me. That's fantastic. That was really good. So that's what he thinks that Jesus is going to feel. Jesus is going to be floored by this. Like, wow, Peter. Like, I, man, remind me to give you a sticker later on. I just, I had my doubts about you, man, but you're just putting me to shame. Like, that, that's impressive. Like, that's not what Jesus says, is it? What does he say, verse 22? I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times, or seven times 70. So here's Jesus' point. Write this down. Forgive without limits. Without limits. The point is, we're not getting out a calculator. There's no forgiveness countdown app. You know, that like, you start with 77, 76, 75. Bro, you're down to like 32. You better slow down if I were you. Like, that's not what we're doing. We're not counting. It's not a math equation. God is not concerned with the numbers, which is awesome because I think I could actually make a case here, a theological case, that Jesus wants me to be bad at math, which I think is really encouraging for me. Uh, but Jesus is using hyperbole here. Just in case you were tempted to start counting, we know that forgiveness is candid. It's honest. That's wrong. It's a, it's a choice, and it's a costly choice. But also notice this. It's complete. It's complete. Forgiveness means now. And it means it's done. It means now. I'm not waiting. I don't need some time to think it over while I try to comfort myself with my justified sense of hurt and bitterness because, let's be honest, what we do when we're waiting is we just go and replay the whole scenario in our minds and every time I'm on top, like I'm so justified in how I want to respond to you. But I'm saying, that's not it. I'm not going to do that. Whoever it is in your life, whatever it is that they did to you, it doesn't matter how long ago it was or even how recent. What he's saying is, deal with it now. Forgive them now. In fact, I want you to see this, Mark eleven twenty five. 25. Uh, Jesus says, whenever you stand praying, and we've done that already today, haven't we? We've already spent some time praying. When you do that, forgive if you have anything against anyone. So have you already, are you ready to forgive the person that's wronged you? It's a command. What he's saying, the expectation is you do it now. It's now and it's done. It means Total forgiveness, not just a little bit. No limits. This is not like your insurance company where you have to file a claim and wait to see what's going to get covered. If there was a list of sins that qualified to be covered by forgiveness, everything would be on that list. It's complete. Once it's covered, it's fully covered. It's not partial forgiveness. I am not going to make you pay for it. It's done. The transaction is complete. But it also means that forgiveness uh, is a commitment. It's a commitment. I don't want to like star that, circle that. Because at its heart, that's what forgiveness is. It means no more. No more. I am not going to bring it back up anymore. You're not paying for it now. And there's no chance that I'm going to make you pay for it in the future. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't ongoing consequences. Sometimes some of those consequences are unavoidable. And it doesn't mean that once I've forgiven you, we're not allowed to talk about it anymore. We can't learn from it. We can do that. 
but it's a commitment. It is a promise that I'm saying, I am not going to hold this against you anymore. Never again. Even if you do this again, it doesn't cancel my previous forgiveness. I'm not going to dig this debt back up and dump it back on you again. It's done. And we forgive like this because this is how God forgives us. Listen to his promise. Look at, look at his commitment here. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. He says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will, what? I will remember their sins no more. Now, no, we need to clarify, because we, sometimes we get some wrong doctrine on this, that somehow God has got to, you've got to like forgive and forget. I'm not talking about forgetting. This does not mean that somehow my previous sins have evaporated from the omniscient mind of God. He's not forgiving. That's, and that's a passive thing. This is his active promise that he will not drudge up our old sins again once they have been forgiven and he's not going to hold them against us. No more. I will remember them. No more. So it's not really an excuse for us either. I can't be like, I just can't forgive them because I can't forget what they've done. I'm just not ready. That's not what we're dealing with. That's not an excuse. What we're saying is this is a commitment. I'm making a promise. I'm never going to hold it against you. And this commitment is for always. I forgive you now. And I'm going to forgive you tomorrow. And the day after that. Always. Every single time. No. That means we've got to forget the math. Stop counting. Throw out the scorecard. It's not a, we're not keeping a record in our little black book. People don't max out a quota. We don't cut off the forgiveness. We just, we never do. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there will be a next time. It's going to happen again. And when it does, what are we going to do? Forgive without limit. So Peter's, this is his turn to be shocked here. Jesus is kind of correcting him, and I think he's correcting us as well. That person that, that drives you nuts, that gets under your skin, that person that hurts you, they, 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 it just seems like they always have something that, 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 that they're causing you pain. They're making your life miserable. Yeah, them. That's the one that God wants you to forgive. Without limits. Some of us are really glad that there's not a limit on the forgiveness before it gets cut off. Amen? You're just not going to find a place that does that anywhere else on earth. No matter where you go, there's always limits. Like, we can only take so much of you, but not here. We are the church, and we forgive without limits because this is what we do. And so to demonstrate and drive this point even deeper, of course Jesus does what he does best. He tells us a story here. Look at it, verse 23. I'm going to read through the end of the chapter here. Hopefully this will just kind of illustrate what he means. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's a lot of money. And since he could not pay... His master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had 
and payment to be made. And so the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and he forgave the debt. But, that's not a good but. When that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and plead with him. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Have patience with me. I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Watch this. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailer until he should pay all his debts. We've, we've got this guy here that owes the king um, a debt, it says, um, of a, a, a 10,000 talents. And, and uh, I, I realize I'm really bad at math, but I think this might be helpful. So, so uh, one talent is about the equivalent of 20 years worth of wages for a laborer. 20 years, that's a lot. That's one talent. And how many talents did this guy owe? 10,000. That literally means the modern day equivalent of this guy owes billions of dollars to this king. This is basically Jesus' way of saying there is no possible way he is ever going to pay off this debt. Two weeks ago, we saw Jesus had told a similar story to Simon the Pharisee. Remember that in Luke chapter 7? This guy here is way worse off. Dave Ramsey doesn't stand a chance. Trump can't do anything about this guy. He is in bad shape. And so verse 25, he is, uh, the king orders that he's going to be sold along. This is crazy. With his wife and his children and all that he has. He has sunk. His life is over as he knows it. And so what does he do? He falls down on his knees and he's imploring. He says, have patience. And, and, and uh, just notice what he says. I will pay you everything. That's not really realistic, is it? That's not going to happen. He is absolutely desperate. Imagine you're facing a debt. You're just going to lose everything. You're going to lose your wife. You're going you're to lose your kids. You're going to lose everything you have. He's bordering on insanity. This is crazy talk. There's no way that he is ever going to be able to pay this king everything that he owed. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer of desperation? You ever done that? A few. I have. And it's those moments where it's those moments where I thought that I was going to lose somebody that was super dear to me, and 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 in my desperation, you you know that feeling where you're just crying out like I, I'm begging God that He would hear my cries. That's what I want you to think of that point where you're so low, the snot's flowing, the tears are coming, like you're a mess. That's this guy here, okay? He is a mess. But look at the character of the King, verse twenty-seven. Adam pity, he released him, and he forgave the debt. That is mercy. Hey friends, God will forgive your sin. 
because of what he's done on the cross. You and I owe a debt we could never pay, right? But instead of making us pay for it, God the Father sent his son and he crushed his son on the cross to pay for it. It's done. He cries out, it is finished. What do you, what do you say? <laughs> Writing a thank you note doesn't really cover that, does it? But that's not how this guy responds. What does he do? Verse 28. He goes out and he finds one of his fellow servants who owed, owed, who owed him a hundred denarii. So that's probably about ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. Nothing to scoff at. That's still a lot of money. But, but whoa, 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 bro, bro. You owed billions of dollars and your debt is canceled. It's forgiven. It's wiped out. It's cleared. Your family's safe. You're not losing anything. Well, what, what does he do to this guy? Uh, verse 28, he seizes him and he begins to choke him saying, pay what you owe. And, and, and do we need a volunteer to demonstrate how this looks? Like, I don't think we do, do we? This is so graphic, isn't it? You could just see his fingers reaching around his throat and, and his veins bulging. It's, it's sick. And, and, and Jesus is so masterful at telling a story because in this, we're kind of getting all worked up at this point. Like, how dare that guy? How dare he do that? And then there's this deja vu moment, verse 29. That guy falls down and pleads, same thing, have patience with me, I will pay you. But instead, look at verse 30, look at it. He refused. What's our definition of forgiveness? Refusing to make them pay for what they did. So his refusal here is a choice, isn't it? That's his choice. And instead, he put him in prison until he should pay. We're like, what? Show me your shocked face again. Come on. That's, can you just imagine, like, Jesus is telling this story and all the disciples are listening. That's what they're looking like. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Can you believe this guy? Like, and, and then verse 31, the story gets a little juicy. Because a couple of the other servants, they saw the whole thing. And so they go tell the king, here it comes, here it comes, verse 32. So the master summoned him. And sometimes we feel a little giddy at this point, right? It's kind of like when one of my kids uh, comes and informs us of something their sibling has done. And, and then I turn to that child and I say, come here. And they're like, ooh, he's getting in trouble. Like we're getting all excited. And, and so uh, the, the master said to him, you Wicked servant. And we're like, get him. Get him. Give it to him. I forgave you. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Church, we forgive without limits. Because this is what God has done for us. We're forgiven by God. But this guy just refused. That's not what I do. I'm not, I'm not forgiving this guy. And so he got what's coming to him, verse 34. In anger, king delivers him to the jailers until he sh should pay all his debt. We're like, yeah, he deserved every bit of that, didn't he? But then, Jesus adds this little point here in verse 35. So also, 
my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's a gut check. We kind of understand the point of this is a warning, isn't it? The point of Jesus telling this whole story is a warning for you and me. Forgive without limits. Note this. Because if you won't, God won't forgive. If you won't, God won't forgive you. That just doesn't sound right, does it? Anybody else like feel, come on, somebody say prove that. Somebody say, thank you. Let's go to our Bibles. I don't want you to hear it from me. I want you to hear it from Scripture. Here it is. Jesus is just letting us know, like, if you're not going to forgive, God's not going to forgive you. Where else do we see that? Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We want to make sure we get some clarity here. We actually have already seen this verse, but I want to read the end because we didn't see that. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Mark eleven twenty-five. Jesus says, whenever you stand praying, remember we're supposed to be, what are we doing? When we stand pray, we're supposed to forgive if you have anything against anyone so that, here's the purpose clause, so that your Father who also is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. If you forgive, the Father will forgive you. If you need another reference on that, you don't have to turn there, but just write down Luke 6.37. 6.37, it's again, Luke 6.37. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. If you will forgive, God will forgive you. But what happens if you don't forgive? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, this, your, the pages in your Bible here uh, should be kind of crinkled up because we were spending some time in here, Matthew chapter 6, at the beginning of the, of the year. Uh, this is the Lord's Prayer. Remember this? Right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, he says, uh, we're praying to God, he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then he goes down to explain this one. You see it in verse 14? Look at it in verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. There it is again. If you forgive, God's going to forgive you. But what happens if you don't? Look at verse 15. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see it? Is that clear? What happens if I don't forgive the trespasses that others hurt me with? What does it say? Don't look at me. Look at your Bible. What does it say? Neither will your Father what? If you won't, God won't. Anybody? Is that scary? Does anybody feel like some urgency? Like I want to make sure that I'm I'm forgiven here. I want to make sure that I want to make sure that I'm I've got my sins forgiven by God. Well, here's what I want to clarify here, okay? You are not saved by forgiving. Your salvation is by grace through faith. 
Jesus died for your sins on the cross. He paid the price. You're not forgiven because you did something to earn it. You're not saved because you forgive. But, but, those of us who are saved, guess what we do? We forgive. That's what we do. You belong to Jesus? Are you part of his church? Are you forgiven by God? Man, we want to make sure that that is true of us. You will show the evidence that you belong by how you respond to people, not if, but when they hurt you. Is that clear? So what I'm saying is, if you're sitting there thinking like, no way. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know how many times I've had to deal with them. I will not forgive. Then I'm just telling you, listen to the warning that Jesus is saying. If you won't forgive, then God will not forgive you. And so I cannot, if, if that's you, and in your heart you're like, I'm not doing it, then I can't give you confident assurance that you really are forgiven by God, that you are a child of God. So you better wrestle with whether you are saved from your sins. Take it as a warning. And I need to get this done Today, I want to make sure that I am forgiven by God. Now, those of you who are saved, the comforting fact is that even right now, you belong to God. And so he's pricking your heart. And you're realizing he's bringing to mind that person, that situation. And you're like, man, I'm getting on that today. I want to go after that. Because forgiven people forgive. That's what you do. But it's those of you who kind of feel like, fine, that's just the way it's going to be. Watch out. If you are so hell-bent on harboring your bitterness and your anger and wanting them to hurt as bad as you have, and you look at the grace that is offered to you by Jesus, and you're like, I don't care. You're refusing to recognize and acknowledge that your debt of sin against a holy God is infinitely more egregious than any offense that anyone could commit against you. Listen, I am pleading with you. Don't hear me. Hear the message, the warning from the Bible. Your soul is hanging in the balance. Don't refuse the forgiveness of God. And if that's you, if you say like, I, you've been thinking it's that person that God's got to deal with, but God is dealing with you. And the awesome news of the gospel is that he stands ready right now to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I want you to know today that you belong to Jesus. Say, I know it. I am forgiven. And listen, listen. Forgiven people forgive. Period. That's what we do. You have somebody that you need to forgive? You have a scenario you're thinking of? This was powerfully depicted for us in the movie, The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, that we saw in conjunction with this preaching series that uh, Kelly, the pastor's daughter, faces the challenge of having to forgive Gavin. Gavin uh, played the part of Jesus in their church production, but at the last minute he decided to walk out because he thought he had a better offer in Hollywood. She's a little ticked. But when he comes back, she's the one that has her faith put to the test. Watch this. You're back in. So I can, I can help out. We want you to play Jesus. What? Yeah, well, Dad reminded me of 
all that Christian stuff, you know, what our church is about and how this could really impact you and what grace looks like and blah, blah. He did. He did. And um, took me a few minutes, but I have decided to forgive you. What about the rest of the cast? Took them a few seconds. So, um, so I'm back in, huh? Just like that. This is what we do. This is what we do. Um, you'll notice in the bottom of your bulletin, there's a place for you. We're just going to do some business with God this morning, okay? Uh, we're not done here, because I don't think God's done with us. Some of you need to deal with some unforgiveness right now. Honestly, God, I, I'm just telling you, like, God brought something to mind for me this morning. This morning. Like, I've been getting this ready all week, and now, like, today? Thanks, God. I know that maybe you're wrestling with someone, something. We're going to deal with that now. We're going to deal with that today. We're not walking out of here. Your soul is hanging in the balance. I want to know the evidence that I really belong to him. This is what we do as a church. So I want you to write that person's name in there. I need to forgive. Who is that? Go ahead and write it down right now. Who is that that God is bringing to your mind? That's your commitment. Say, God, I want to work on this. I want, to, I, want, I want to deal with this today. I don't want this to go undealt with. And what I want you to do is we're going to take just a minute. I want you to pray. You're going to pray and ask God to help you. Say, God, I know I need to deal with this. I want to deal with this today. Maybe that's a phone call. Maybe that's um, a visit that I need to make. Maybe that's somebody that I need to grab before they walk out of the doors here this morning. Like, I'm, I'm getting it done now. Maybe you're wrestling with putting something down because you're starting to realize I'm not really confident that I'm forgiven by God. Can I just encourage you? Today's the day of salvation. You can get that right today as he stands ready to forgive you. It's done. It's cleared. It's wiped away. He's never going to hold it against you again. That's the offer of salvation the offer of forgiveness that we have. I want you to just cry out to the Lord wherever you're at right now. You just cry out and say, God, that's me. I just don't know that I'm forgiven by you. I want to be forgiven. I want to know that I'm saved, that I belong to you. I confess that I'm a sinner. Please save me from my sins. Forgive me, God. Cry out. Those of you who have already done that, just pray that God's going to get your heart right. Deal with whoever it is that he's bringing to mind right now. Just spend a moment praying. Your loving kindness.